dietitian. And I'm Tara, a journalist. We're mums of little ones and we're also sisters. New Mums Nutrition is a podcast that helps you optimize your nutrition and thrive in this season of life. Well, welcome today. Today's podcast episode is on constipation and your pelvic floor. And we've got special guest, Kath, uh, who's a women's health physio. So welcome, Kath. Thank you very much, Lana. It's lovely to chat today. Yeah, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. So why don't you tell us a little bit about what you do? I guess physiotherapists, generally when people think about physios, they think about the good old sports physio, you know, if you've got a sore back or a sore shoulder, aches and pains, you go and see a physio. But there's actually a whole area of physio that's bit less well known and even I was surprised going into university just (laughs) everything I was learning so there's physio neuro there's neurophysio so neurological physiotherapy where after strokes and head injuries you teach them how to walk again there's cardiophysio which is where you look at the breathing and and then there's women's health physio um, which is just one of many types so it's postgraduate stuff it's not your everyday physio you go back to uni and you learn how to assess things like pelvic yeah your pelvic floor muscles um and that's where I guess you come into it Lana is because one area of one area we treat issues with constipation and constipation that relates to the pelvic floor so it's very yeah it's not much is known about but That postpartum, pregnancy postpartum period, we know that constipation can be a big issue. Mm. Uh, We know that constipation can be big risk factors in things like pelvic organ prolapse. So that's where knowing about your pelvic floor might be really helpful if you do have issues with constipation. And you might be listening right now and be like, that is exactly me. I'm suffering from constipation. And I find many people suffer in silence if you think constipation is such a common thing postpartum pelvic floor can you tell us a little bit how it's even related to constipation (laughs) so I guess if you think about your pelvic floor they're the muscles that sit at the floor of the pelvis the base of the pelvis and they surround all the openings so you've got your urethra at the front where the wee comes out you've got your vagina and then you've got your anus at the back And so the pelvic floor has a few um, functions. One is is that it helps to prevent things like incontinence, so leaking when you cough or sneeze or lift up your baby. Um, And then they also help to support your organs. So they help in the prevention of prolapse. So that's that feeling of a vaginal bulge, a pelvic heaviness, which um, quite a lot of new mums might experience after having a baby. But also, there's the two, just generalising things, there's two main issues that sometimes occur with the pelvic floor. One is that they can be too weak and they don't have enough strength. So that's when you might have issues with leaking of urine or faeces. And oh, so both. Yeah. So if you've got fecal incontinence, pelvic floor mm. rehab, like obviously there's a lot of potential reasons for um, fecal incontinence, but yeah. it would definitely be worth getting your pelvic floor checked um, mm-hmm. 
in case that's one of the issues. The other issue that can happen with pelvic floor is that it might not actually be weak. It might be what we call overactive. So it's like maybe they're too tight or they have difficulty relaxing and releasing. So if we think about our neck muscles, if we have a headache or if we're a bit stressed, sometimes we tense up our shoulders and our neck. And if I came in and gave you a good good old neck massage and shoulder massage, you'd probably think, oh my God, that feels so good. I've got a lot of tension. So the same thing can happen in our pelvis. If we perhaps might get anxious, sometimes we hold tension in our neck and shoulders But for some women, they can hold that tension in their pelvis. So there's a cluster of, remembering this is general information only, and if you've got any of these symptoms, do go and get them checked out because they may or may not relate to you. But there's a sort of cluster of symptoms that might point to the fact that you've got these issues and it might be worth investigating. So if you have difficulties with constipation or if you have painful sex, Or if you have pain around the pelvis, so abdominal pain, sometimes people with endometriosis or irritable irritable bowel syndrome and those sort of chronic pain disorders, you can imagine if you've got a chronic headache, you probably would have neck muscles that are always on the tight side. Mm. Does that make sense? Same thing, if you've got a gut disorder or something that's causing discomfort around your tummy, you might have overactive pelvic floor. So sometimes... Yeah, women come in with the whole syndrome of situations. And the other thing I should mention is that you can have overactive muscles don't mean they're too strong. Sometimes you can have overactive weak pelvic floor. So that's where it gets a little bit complicated and that's why you need to have an assessment. But it's just good to know it's not always a matter of being too weak or too strong. It can be yeah, a bit of a variety. It's not just maybe people might think, oh, if I have a pelvic floor issues, then it's just, oh, I'm leaking a little bit. But it could be that there's the weakness. It could be the overactive or a combination of the two. And it doesn't just affect the front end. It also affects Mm -hmm. actually when we talk about constipation and that could be a sign that we need some help with our pelvic floor. Is that right? Mm, Yeah, exactly. I like what you said last time we chatted. You talked about the plumbing Mm -hmm. (laughs) and you talked about the diet and the stool and your bowel motion is all like the sludge inside the piping that comes through whereas your pelvic floor muscles is like the actual pipe if the opening is blocked like it's too small an opening the plumbing is going to be a bit faulty or another way I like to think about it is if you lift up your water bottle upside down Here, I'm doing it for you in the podcast, but I'm still doing it for Lana's benefit. We can all imagine it. So upside down water bottle. Let's say your water bottle is your bladder and your lid is your pelvic floor. If you open up that lid and loosen up that opening, everything will come through easily. But if that lid is really tight and doesn't open very well, things might be a bit harder to come through. And that's what can happen with the constipation and the pelvic floor. So if we're not relaxing and letting that opening open, the stools or the bowel motion might not come through quite as easily. Even if we're not constipated, how should we be sitting when we go on the toilet? And it might be a weird question to ask. Can you, so can you explain why it might be important for us to even think about that? Yeah, so there's a few things. How long have we got, Lana? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> 
the first, back to basics, is you want to feel confident that you can lift your pelvic floor and that you can relax your pelvic floor. So that's where an assessment is helpful or mm-hmm. if you can't get assessed, that's where I, my program helps is to teach you how to lift and relax. But the second thing to consider is, yeah, with our positioning, is I feel women, we're not as good as doing this, I am generalising, but as our male counterparts. So it's not just about positioning. It's about um, being aware of our body's natural urges when all people get an urge to go to the toilet. So this is often in the morning is thought to be the strongest urge of the day where we've been lying down and then we might wake up, we start moving, we have a hot drink that helps to stimulate the bowel. That might be when you have your morning coffee or tea Mm. and a bit of caffeine. You have a meal, so everything is set in motion. It's thought about 20 to 30 minutes after that is when your biggest motion of the bowel happens to help clear the bowel in order for the meal to get digested. Whereas mums, and I'm assuming you're a mum if you're listening, we're busy, aren't we? You might be breastfeeding. You've got toddlers. You've got kids you've got to get to school. You know, a million things to do, lunchboxes to pack. Or we might go and sit on the toilet and then you get interrupted with a mum. <laughs> <laughs> so unfortunately, women, as I said, I am generalising, but I don't feel we're very good at paying attention. Well, we probably do pay attention, but we ignore that urge because life gets in the way. So my first tip would be is if possible, try not to ignore that urge because that when that urge comes, that's the best time to go. If, if you try to go to the toilet and pass a bowel motion when you don't have an urge, that's when you'll end up probably pushing because you don't have that body's natural urge. Whereas if you go and you've got that urge, that's when you can relax, take some nice deep breaths and it will all happen, hopefully naturally. Really taking the time to listen to your body and notice when those urges and making the time and even, um, yeah, just carving out some time to stop and actually go to the loo. Yes, exactly. And then taking it one step further, because often we get one urge. So you might have one lot of bowel motion pass. And then if you were to wait on the toilet for another five minutes, you might get another second urge. And then if you were to wait another five minutes, you might even get a third urge. So that means you might get three lots passed through. And I think this is where men are very good at sitting on the toilet for 20 minutes (laughs) and taking their time and totally emptying out their bowels. Whereas women on, we are busy. Maybe I'm just talking from personal experience, (laughs) Lana. I don't know. But after that first urge, you're like, right, deed's done. Off we go with the rest of the day. So you're not actually fully clearing. Yeah, and the longer the stool is inside your body, the more the water is being absorbed out and then the, you know, harder or drier it gets and then it's harder to pass. So it's a bit of a cycle that sets up. If you're already someone who's dehydrated, you're going to be at even higher risk. That lower part of our bowels is great. Its main job is to reabsorb water. So if you have some stools left sort of sitting in there longer than what passing those urges by and you're not going to the toilet, that's more chance for water to be absorbed. And I think, like you said, just making it harder for you to go next time. So it's a relatively easy tip, mm-hmm. you know, just spend a bit longer in the toilet. But I know for mums that is hard, so I totally yeah. get it. 
So then the second thing that you first talked about was um, the positioning. Mm. So this is really interesting, I find, because our modern toilets are quite high. Whereas if you think about human species, so we used to squat. And if you think about our anatomy, it's actually much easier for a bowel motion to pass in that squatting position. So I've had some clients with chronic constipation issues and then they've gone on a holiday to an Asian squat toilet country, for example, and they've come back and they've been like, Catherine, you know, my I have no more constipation. Like the squat toilets cured me. So we can't wow. obviously have squat toilets in our society generally. So one way to mimic this is to get a stool for the feet. So don't just lift <laughs> up your heels because lifting up your heels is it's a bit counter productive which is a whole other topic but actually get a stool to pop your feet on so if you're mums it's good reason to get a stool if you're going to have kids in the house if you don't have a stool you could even use a packet of toilet paper that oh I like that getting creative (laughs) yeah make it easy Mm because if I say get a stool that's just another thing to add to the to-do list right Mm It would actually be worthwhile, it sounds like, investing in even just a stool that lives oh. permanently next to the toilet so that any time you, you need to go, you just pop your feet up. 100%. And it's important for your children too to be in this position as well. So once yeah. we've got our knees up, so our feet are on a stool, that naturally brings our knees higher than our hips generally. The next tip is to pop your elbows on your knees. Mm-hmm. So you're leaning forwards. And then your only job, I say this to pregnant women, when you have a baby, it's a uterus's job to push out the baby and it's a pelvic floor's job to get out the way, relax and just get out the way. Mm-hmm. So same as when you pass a bowel motion, you don't have to push, you don't have to do anything fancy. All you need to do is take some nice deep breaths, relax. And I know that can be hard for some women and if you've got overactive pelvic floor, this might be challenging. So this is when you'll need a bit more, I guess, help but one little tip is you're gonna think I'm crazy but (laughs) moo or hiss while you're doing a poo I've never heard that one before (laughs) moo to poo yeah so if you feel the urge coming and you're you're ready for it to come out instead of holding your breath and you know doing that and that's that downward shunt of everything that we want Mm -hmm. to avoid if um yeah so instead of that moo or hiss because if you're letting go of air, you're not blocking it all off, you're not getting that downward sort of grunt that we want to avoid. Why do we want to avoid that? So the, it, con- chronic constipation has been linked with pelvic organ prolapse. So that recurring increase in intra-abdominal pressure that puts that pressure downwards through that pelvic floor area has been correlated with pelvic organ prolapse. So that's that vaginal bulge, that heaviness. I've seen women in the clinic later in life that haven't had any babies with prolapse and their one symptom is that they've had constipation for years and years. Wow. So for many of us, constipation is just a general accepted part of life and I've just always been constipated and I'll always be constipated or, yeah, it's uncomfortable. But actually it's a priority because just leaving it means there might be issues with our pelvic floor now or later down the track. The thing is, for those women that accept it as part of their life, it would be really interesting if you've got 
a lot of women do have leaking of urine when they cough, sneeze or laugh. The first thing I always do is get their bowels under control because it's amazing if you can have well-functioning bowels. Again, not always, but often that does help you urinary symptoms, so your mm. bladder leakage. Wow, so you can see how linked they are. And I think in, in my clinic what I see is women will come to me not necessarily for constipation but because they just feel really uncomfortable or heavy or bloating. Actually, one of the first questions I'm asking is what are your bowels like? And so often constipation and is part of the picture. I'm not really that surprised. Dealing with a constipation could be the first place to start. And Yeah, you're exactly right. And that's why when you do come and have a pelvic floor physio, the first assessment we ask a lot of questions you know and they do relate to sexual pain and discomfort we find out if you're sexually active we talk about your bowels we talk about your gynecological history so we talk about so many different aspects of your life and they might seem unrelated but you're absolutely right they can definitely be related Mm. and now Kathy you've given us so many amazing tips today Uh, I think it's been really practical and I hope that when people feel that urge they'll remember oh I need I need to actually make this a priority or when they go to the to the toilet next that they'll mess in the stool and actually get into that proper positioning that you were talking about is there any other if you had one other tip around pelvic floor what would it be to get confident with it because there's been some really interesting research to show that I think it was either 20 or 30 percent of us that think they're doing we think we're doing our pelvic floor correctly but on assessment we aren't or we're actually doing it incorrectly. So I think my tip would be is if you're at all unsure, just go and get that assessment, get a peace of mind that you're lifting them correctly, that you're relaxing them correctly, and just a bit of a plan of action because all women that have had been through pregnancy or childbirth, it doesn't matter if you've had a cesarean birth or a vaginal birth, we are all at risk of pelvic floor issues. So I think we're very good at putting ourselves to the bottom of the to-do list. But at the end of the day, you want to live for the next 50, 60, you know, however many, 70 years of your life and you don't want to be leaking or you don't want to be having pelvic health as an issue because it can affect every part of your life. I think that's so important is actually knowing what to look out for and then where to go next. And so where can people find out more about you? And you mentioned your program a little bit. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Yeah, sure. Thank you. So I do work clinically one day a week in Melbourne and I've got an online program for pregnant and new mums. And I know the importance of including pelvic floor exercises with our workouts and pelvic floor relaxation exercises too if you've got constipation so because I'm um, I'm quite aware of all the different pelvic floor issues out there and how common they are I've created an exercise program to help mums recover after childbirth in a way that's going to help their body really shine I guess and help their body to recover so that they can get back to doing what they love and a home-based program I find is amazing if you've got a baby that sleeps or you've got toddlers at home or you're finding it hard to get out and about so that program's called fitness mama and you can find me at fitnessmama.com or instagram at fitness mama f-i-t-n-e-s-t 
M-A-M-A. So it's a bit different with the spelling. We'll include all of those in the show notes. This is just the tip of the iceberg, really, when it comes to pelvic floor and pelvic floor health. I'm so glad we were able to have you on today, Kath, because I don't think we could have done a previous episode on constipation without thinking about the plumbing side of things as well. That is all for today's episode on constipation and this episode of New Mums Nutrition with Lana Hearth, an accredited practicing dietitian. Now we'll be continuing this conversation in our Facebook group, New Mums Nutrition. So if you're not already part of the group, come along and join us. If you want to know where to start with postpartum nutrition, you can download our New Mums Nutrition checklist at lanahearth.com. Now this podcast is general in nature. It doesn't replace individual medical advice, so please do check with your GP and check with your dietitian for any needs that you have. Also, please subscribe, review, and share this podcast with a friend so that more women can optimize their nutrition and enjoy the experience of motherhood.